0: Great to be with you all. If you have a Bible, we can actually get started right away by turning to Ephesians 4, verse 11. That's Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, If you've been with us over the last few months, you know that we've been working uh, verse by verse through the entire Gospel of John. But last Sunday, we took a break from that series as we did a joint gathering in the park, along with a Destination Church and the grafted church plant that meets in this building on Sunday afternoons. And all three churches got to come together last Sunday morning in the park, along with Steve Oliver, who leads our global Regions Beyond family. And Steve Oliver was a casting vision, essentially, for the beauty of the church uh, post-COVID and what the church can be and perhaps should be. Uh, I was actually running the barbecue last Sunday, uh, so I didn't hear the teaching and we did not record the teaching because we were outside in the park. So I don't know what Steve said, uh, but I wanted to take this Sunday to hopefully build on what I didn't hear last Sunday and take some more time to talk about uh, God's design and purposes for his church, what the church uh, can be and perhaps should be uh, in the world. And uh, if it's uh, the exact same thing that Steve said last week, then I apologize in advance. But my hunch is that it will be different. So if you have your Bibles open, we are going to pick up in Ephesians 4, verse 11. This is what it says It says, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, read about these things in Scripture, about having the fullness of Christ, uh, about growing into maturity, into uh, becoming more and more like you. And I think most of us in the room, Lord, can say, honestly, yeah, we want that. I want the fullness of Christ. Uh, I want maturity. I want to, to walk in the freedom and grace and power that Jesus walked in uh, when he was fully human and among us. Uh, and, and yet sometimes, Lord, we don't really even know how to get there or we have really mixed up ideas about how we're going to get there. And so this morning, Lord, we uh, come under your authority. We come under the authority of Scripture. Uh, we want to know your design, your heart, your will uh, for uh, what church is supposed to look like and, and who, what we're supposed to look like as individuals and how it's all supposed to function together. And so we say in its simplest form, as you taught your disciples to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done in this place, in this gathering, and ultimately in Spokane as it is in heaven. We pray these things in the name of your son. Amen. In 2019, our global family of churches was given a prophetic word by a man named Rory Watts. Someone in our global family who has consistently given reliable prophetic words. And the word that he shared really resonated with the global leadership team. They really felt it was of the Lord. And this is what it said. Rory said, I believe God is taking us into a new era. It's not a change of season as it's not something we have experienced before. New eras present a total change of landscape which brings about such a significant change in the mode of operation. Seasons are recognizable by those who have experienced them before and one can find yourself back at the same point. A new era is something totally new. Little did anyone know that a year after receiving this word, as our global family was continuing to carry this and contemplate it and pray through it, uh, a year later in 2020, uh, we had a pandemic. This little known virus called COVID-19 began to spread across the globe. And the effect that that had on humanity and on the global church in particular is difficult to describe and put into words. Uh, but it uh, was unprecedented in its effect. And as it hit and and people were going into lockdown and sheltering in place, you had a lot of leaders across our regions beyond Global Family, but even well beyond that. If you're familiar with groups like Acts 29 or the Gospel Coalition or other uh, denominations and groups that are doing awesome stuff in our nation and beyond, leaders from all across these different places began to speak out and say, hey, don't waste this time. We believe that God's going to do something significant through this pandemic, so don't waste it and don't sit around uh, waiting to go back to church as it was in 2019. This This is a key moment for the global church to pause, to step back, to reset, and to begin to sort of dream again about what is the church supposed to be? What is it supposed to look like? Uh, what is the dead stuff that that's, uh, now exists within our churches that needs to be chopped down and uprooted and dragged out? Uh, do not waste this opportunity uh, as God sort of hits the reset button on the church. Uh, and coming out of that time... Up to today, we've really had the sense of, hey, this is a blank slate and this is a new era, which is unlike anything that came before. And I think if we attempt to just go back to doing church the way uh, most of us were doing it in 2019, I think we're actually missing an opportunity that God has given us. Uh, things are not supposed to go back to business as usual. We aren't supposed to rebuild in the same way that we built before, but instead we have this rare opportunity to build something that's even more beautiful, uh, even more resilient, and even more in line with the New Testament and what we see in the early church. And there are many shifts that we could talk about. When, we, when we, um, we could probably do a whole series or at least a mini-series on what does it look like to embrace the new era. But this morning, I just want to pick out one thing or one shift that I believe we're meant to make uh, as we come out of this pandemic and sort of re-engage in church again. And uh, the shift I want to talk about is this. It's a shift from a front-led church to a participatory body. In the passage we read this morning, we didn't read this verse, but if you go back a few verses, Paul says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Meaning that each one of us, in God, through Jesus, has been given something by grace. Something that's unique, that's unique to you, That's a a little different than what he's given the people around you. Uh, Paul uh, picks up on that theme in several other passages when he talks about being a participatory body, where each one plays its role. Uh, But he's given uh, these key differences and key gifts to his church, and then a few verses later, in the verses we did read, he lists examples of some key gifts uh, that Jesus has given in order to see the church alive and flourishing and fully mature. He says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I'd actually like to say a quick word about each of these and the role that they play in the body. Because if each of these things is active and alive, uh, if they're all functioning well within the body, then internally, uh, the body uh, is doing well and flourishing, and then it can go out and do the things in the world that it was meant to be and that it was meant to do. Uh, and, and, but the reverse is also true. If things aren't, think about your physical body. If things are not functioning well internally within your body, it makes it really hard to go out and do the things God's calling you to do or the things that you, uh, you know your body was designed to do. If your uh, kidneys are failing and your heart is struggling and your lungs are at half capacity and organs are sort of checking out and not really doing what they're meant to do, well, it's pretty obvious that you will be confined. You'll be restrained. You won't actually be able to go out and do what a physical human body was meant to do. And it's the same with the church. So these five things that he mentions in this passage, I actually like to think of them uh, almost like five central organs within your body, right? Your, organ, your body has way more than five organs and it has a whole bunch of bones and sinews and all this other stuff that makes your body uh, function the way that it ought to function. But you could sort of think of these as five key organs that sort of feed off of each other and set the stage for a healthy church body. If the church is to be awake and alive, if the church is going to transform culture and change lives and take the gospel to the distant and unreached people groups of the world, well, things have to be functioning well internally. You see you see the, the breathtaking call that God has on his church, and you think, how on earth, are a few simple flawed people going to do that? Well, I believe part of the answer is that things need to be functioning internally. We need to be firing on all cylinders. Our our organs need to be awakened and activated, and then we can, in the power of the Spirit, go out and do the things that He's called us to do. But I believe in order to do that, we're going to need all five of these things, and we'll take each one in turn very briefly. So, Uh, The first one we'll take off this list, Paul says we need pastors. And this gets confusing for us because in America, and I think actually in most countries now, uh, pastor is a title. We've made it into a title. When you read it in scripture, it reads a little differently. But because we've made it a title, uh, we get a little bit confused. And then we actually, uh, there's an impulse to take all five of the things that Paul has mentioned and make them titles. So we read that list and we say, oh, pastor, I know what a pastor is. Who bears the title of pastor? Oh, well, like Matt and Evan and a few people who are on staff at the church, that's a pastor. Oh, well, who bears the the title evangelist? Well, not many people. Maybe if you're a full-time missionary overseas, you might say, no, I am an evangelist. That's what I uh, have fundraised to do. Or if you work full-time for a missions organization or something like that, oh, that's an evangelist. Uh, who bears the title prophet? Well, there's a couple guys in the Old Testament. And maybe John the Baptist. Those, that's the capital P prophets of Scripture. Uh, who bears the title apostle? Well, there's the Apostle Paul. And perhaps uh, the 11 disciples who were with Jesus. Whatever it is. But uh, I want us to shift a little bit away from or out of that thinking. Because I believe what Paul is talking about is not a capital letter titles as much as he's talking about roles and functions within a local church body. So think about the function, the action, the verb behind these things. What does a pastor do? Well, a pastor, I would say, uh, shepherds people's hearts towards the love of God. They care for the hurting. They move people toward love and devotion of the triune God by guiding people's hearts with love and with care. They they have a special touch that allows them to just speak into people's hearts right where they're at, uh, to sit with the hurting and the broken, to guide people uh, through deep, dark valleys that we all experience and over the mountains that God calls us Uh, To scale. And a lot of people are doing that, are pastoring others in the sense that it's a verb or a role you would play within the body. Uh, I think of Karen and Catherine who are leading teen moms uh, pastorally with a ton of patience through brokenness toward the love of God. They're saying, I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to guide your heart uh, in this direction. I think of an Evan Parton or Kelly and Diana Walters is, and many others within our body who sort of have this ability to sit with people, especially people who are hurting and broken or lost or confused, but really just people and, and pastor them, bring them toward, point them back toward uh, the truth and love and grace uh, of God. And so we need people within our body who, who pastor as a verb one another toward God's heart, and into God's grace. That's the the first one. Uh, Then you've got teachers. Teachers are a little different in my mind. Uh, Teachers are skilled at opening up the word of God and sharing, uh, giving insight and clarity and direction to others, whether that's one-on-one or in a small group or to the entire community. And often teachers will be good at casting vision as well. Uh, as they open up scripture. So it has to do with instructing and discipling and just making things easy to understand. Life can be very confusing (laughs) with God and all the questions we have about scripture and the culture and the world and the in-breaking kingdom. And sometimes you just say, how do we put all of these things into words? How do we bring clarity and insight that will allow us to navigate life well? Well, teachers are good at doing that. They Illuminate scripture. They bring understanding to those things. Uh, to stereotype a bit, if a pastor speaks to your heart, then a teacher will speak to your head, to your mind, and the way that you process things. And both are important. Next, you need evangelists. Evangelists, I would describe as people with a real heart and ability to connect with outsiders and share Jesus with them. And, this is sometimes the part that we miss, and they also want to stir the church to that same end. An evangelist not only connects with the loss and brings them in, but they equip and encourage the rest of the church to do the same thing. Uh, a lot of us feel like, oh, I don't even know where to start when it comes to connecting with lost people in the secular world and sharing my faith. It's so overwhelming. It's so intimidating. Evangelists come in and say, you can do this. Here's how I do it. Here's how you can do it. You are capable of doing this. Let's get out there. They, they sort of keep the lost in our field of vision as a church. Uh, they keep us from just turning inward and having our own little kingdom party. They say, no, no, no. There's a whole world out there. There's lost people all around you. Let's uh, let's go out and love and connect with them. So I think of uh, Ben Grieving or Coulter Batterton or Lane and Ava King, Hannah McLeod. Those are some of the people that come to mind. As, oh, they, I think they have this evangelistic uh, gift or bent, this heart for people outside the church who are uh, lost and hurting and don't know who Jesus is. Uh, next, number four, you have prophetic voices within the church. Uh, Those, and I would describe these as people who are in touch with God's spirit and uh, in touch with God's voice, who can sort of say over the course of years, who are growing in that gift and can say with a growing sense of confidence, hey, I think this is what the Lord wants to encourage us with today. I think this is what Jesus might have for us this morning as we gather in this place. Uh, Jannie Batterton, who came to mind before she came up here this morning and did exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, as we were praying this morning, here's what came to mind. I'm going to encourage the body. I think this is what God is up to this morning. Jannie Batterton, Richard McLeod, Leah Parton, and, and many others in this body, who I think have this ability to just sort of receive from the Lord and pass those things on in a way that's humble And powerful and effective we need people speaking those things out to release us into the purposes of God and finally you have what I would call apostolic leaders and this is probably the hardest one to define from Scripture Uh, in its most basic definition apostle means sent one but if you belong to Jesus we're all sort of sent ones And so that's actually a very broad, sort of a loose definition of apostle. But in Scripture, I think it's actually more than that. As you read through Scripture, I think we begin to get this composite picture of what an apostle or an apostolic leader looks like and what they do. So I would say it's someone who pushes the gospel forward into new territory. It's a pioneer who wants to build fresh foundations for the gospel among unreached people. And that could be here or abroad. But it's also someone who has what I would describe as a fathering or mothering spirit about them, who goes, who sees people and calls out identity uh, and gifting in them, and someone who also uh, has this ability or this sight to connect the different churches so uh, and, and share gifts and people across the different churches. And so you think of the way that Paul did this, would go into a place, unreached people, lay a foundation for the gospel, a firm foundation that they could build New Testament churches on. But he was also saying, hey, Timothy, Titus, whoever it is, I see this in you. We're going to pray. We're going to assign leaders to these churches. Uh, And he would say, hey, we've got a surplus of money over here in Jerusalem, and we've got a shortfall in, you know, this Greek or Roman province over here, Here's how we can share. You guys send people here. You send resources there. They're connecting different churches. And so we have, uh, there's apostolic leaders that come to mind through our, well, first I'll say when it comes to the type of apostolic leader that I'm describing, not the title with a capital A, but the type of leader, uh, there's actually a lot of people who function in that way. The scriptures actually say in Hebrews 3 that Jesus was our first apostle which we don't usually think of him that way, but Jesus was the first apostle who came uh, for us. Then you've got people like Paul and Barnabas who are mentioned as apostles. You've got people like, uh, that's in Acts 14. Andronicus and Junia are mentioned in Acts 16. And I think there are many others in scripture who functioned in that role as apostolic leaders. You could argue that people like Timothy or Titus played a similar role within the early church. Uh, Today, within our global family, you've got people like Steve and Heather Oliver, who were with us last Sunday, I would say fulfilling that role that I'm describing. Uh, You have people like Ray and Sue Lowe, who were actually supposed to be with us this morning from the UK, and they had to cancel their trip, so you're stuck with me instead. Uh, But you, uh, you have people like that within our global family who play this role and tick a lot of these boxes. Within our local context, I'd actually say that Tracy Batterton uh, functions in this role. And uh, if you, uh, if I think back over the last few years, I would say Tracy has been and done all of these things for our regions beyond churches in the Philippines. He, he's, he's been encouraging them and empowering them to push forward to unreached people groups. He's motivating this missional um, bent that they have within them he's acting in a fatherly way speaking uh, to people there and calling out things in their identity and in their gifting in fact one of their leaders uh, who is particularly a gifted young man actually calls him dad He's young man he, he lost his own father died before his time so he's you know, a fatherless young leader in the Philippines he calls Tracy dad okay? that's one sign to me you're fulfilling this Right? He's acting, he has this fatherly spirit that says, I'm going to come in and act as a father toward some of these young men and raise them up and speak identity over them and activate them uh, and have this eye for, hey, we've got a surplus of money here in America. Even if you feel like, oh man, we're, I'm tight for cash or money, you know, it's, it's a struggle to make ends meet. If you can just like set aside a little bit of money in America, it goes a really long way. In the Philippines and in other places and so Tracy's recognized that he said hey let's take some of our surplus here uh, with all that we've been blessed with and there's a need there and if we take some of our surplus and move it over to these churches they're gonna plant more churches and they have been planting churches like faster than you can imagine Uh, we prayed last Sunday because they just launched another new church last Sunday and so that's like what an apostolic leader does does that make sense So Tracy and Ray and Sue Lowe and uh, Stephen Heather and and many others are playing that sort of role within a local or global uh, body of churches. So to recap, you've got pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophetic voices, and apostolic leaders who are all working in tandem as key organs within the local church body. And I want us to notice, as we think about that, that this actually isn't something new, because Jesus was all of those things. So if we take a step back, like this isn't some weird religious response to the person of Jesus, this is actually the person of Jesus, If we step back and think about who Jesus was and what he did, as I mentioned earlier, the scriptures literally say he was the first apostle. He was a classic sent one who came from heaven to the unreached people group of humanity and began laying a fresh foundation among unreached people for the gospel, raising up new leaders, speaking what I say. Oh, Peter, you're a rock. This is who you're going to be. I'm going to activate you. And he motivated them, raised them up and motivated them into mission. So in in every sense, from what we just saw on that list, Jesus was an apostle. Uh, He was also the ultimate prophetic voice scriptures say that he was so in touch with the spirit and the father's heart that he only said what he sensed the father saying so by definition by my definition of the prophetic every single thing jesus said was prophetic he only ever spoke prophetic words that's all he ever did this is what god wants to do and say right now in real time so he was uh, the ultimate prophetic voice he was the ultimate evangelist Meeting the broken and the lost out on the fringes, uh, found among tax collectors and sinners, people saying, Jesus, you're so far out there, I don't even know what you're doing. Are, Are you even orthodox anymore? Because of the broken people that he was connecting with. But he was able to meet them in a way that was effective and disarming and loving and bring these people right into the center of God's heart, ushering them into the kingdom of God as the best evangelists do. Uh, He was the ultimate teacher. In fact, they called him rabbi, which translated is teacher. And 2,000 years later, we have not been able to improve on any of the teachings that Jesus gave. He still has hands down the best teachings that have ever been given. They have shaped and reshaped the world and will continue to do so until he returns. He was the ultimate teacher. And of course, he was the ultimate pastor as well. And as we've seen in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he explains what that means. I pastor people into a place of life. So by saying that we want to grow and press into all five of these things, it really just means we want to be more like Jesus. That's it, that's what we're saying. And the reverse is also true. If all I ever said, if you just forget everything I just, well, don't forget everything I just said. But if you did, if I hadn't said any of that, and all I did was get up here and say, hey guys, uh, let's get about the business of being more like Jesus. We're disciples, we belong to him, let's just do what we're called to do and become more like him. Well, in a perfect world, these things would naturally arise within the body. Even if they weren't named, even if we weren't talking about them or encouraging them, because we're all becoming more like Jesus, and this is what Jesus was like. This, these are all aspects of who Jesus is and what the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. Verse 11 said, I love the first two words, it says, Christ himself gave these things. It's not that Christ lived out his life and then we decided to make up a religion after him and, and we just made all this stuff up. No, Christ himself gave and is giving these things and stirring these things within us. He, he wants these in the church. He's given us his spirit. He's given us himself. So the presence of God is within us. What's it going to do? Well, it's making us more like him. It's unlocking and unleashing these different aspects of Christ within us. But it will the spirit, rather, he will manifest himself in different ways within each one of us. We won't all look the same. So, as we close, I would just say this. If we are to embrace the new era, if church is going to look different uh, post COVID, this is one of the changes that I want us to make. I want everyone in our church to be activating and growing in their gifts. I want everyone in our church uh, to, it, to, be, to be coming into this place of increasing clarity where they can say, hey, this is who I am in Christ, and this is how I can function. This is the role that I can play. This is one of the things I have to offer. And and we have to actually take ownership over this stuff and and take this seriously if we're going to see it happen. If we really want to see the fullness of Christ in this sort of New Testament, uh, apostolic way of being, we have to actually say, hey, this is what Jesus is doing in me, and I'm going to take a risk, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to offer that to the body. Uh, If you go back and reread the verses that we read this morning, you'll see that Paul's saying, hey, this is actually how we attain to fullness. This is how we get to maturity. This is how the church fulfills its purposes in the world. It starts when you embrace your gifts and I embrace mine. And I would argue that if we slip back into a consumer model where a few people talk and everybody listens just so they can get a little encouragement for their week. You will not be operating in in your gifts and I might not be operating in mine. And therefore, we cannot get to that place. We cannot experience fullness in him. We're never gonna take the gospel to the ends of the earth if our internal organs are failing. It just won't happen. So, uh, where do we start? If we say we want to do this and we want to embrace this, where do we start? How do we break out of a consumer-oriented, front-led model that is so often the default American church? Well, I'm proposing that we start this morning with something that's really easy and really fun. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, In a moment, A few of us are going to go around the room, and we are going to hand out sticky notes. And you'll get a stack of about 10 sticky notes. And then we're going to take about five minutes to sit with a posture of just sort of prayer and listening. And what I want you to do is, as the Lord brings specific people to mind who are here with us in the room right now, I want you uh, to write down a word of encouragement for them. It's as simple as saying, hey, this is what I see in you. And, and we're going to take a few minutes to write those down. And after that time ends, we're all going to stand up and we're going to go around the room and we're going to start sticking those things physically onto those people. Okay? So as an example, if I'm sitting and thinking and listening and Jannie comes to mind, I might write down the word prophetic. Okay? If that's a gift that she has. I want to encourage her with that. Uh, if Ben comes to mind, I might write down, hey, bold and courageous or something like that. If Coulter, well, Coulter's not here, but if he were here uh, and he came to mind, I might write down resilience or just something that said, man, this is something that I see in you that will hopefully be uh, an encouragement. And so if you're new here or you don't really know anybody in the room, that's totally okay. You can participate at whatever level you want. You can sit and hang out and watch. Uh, You can, I would at least encourage you, if you came with other people, at the very least, write down a a note or two for the person that you walked in with and give that as an encouraging word for them. And of course, you can go well beyond that as well. Say, hey, you know, I don't really know you, but maybe the Lord would want to encourage you with this word or that word. And so what we're going to do over these next few minutes is we're just going to start naming stuff and encouraging one another. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and we'll take a few minutes to do this. And this is meant to be fun. It's as simple as saying, man, here's something I think the Lord has knit into you, and something that I see in you that maybe you don't see in yourself. And as we do that, we're going to start with that composite image. We're going to start to have this sense of, oh, man, this is some of the stuff the Lord's doing in me. This is some of the stuff that he's gifted me for, because we want to release one another into being a participatory body. Okay, so I'll pray for us. Uh, if you, there's more note cards and pens in the back if you need more of either. And we're just gonna take a few moments to sit. It can be as simple as one note for one person that says, here's what I see in you. Man, you are faithful. You are faithful with the things that God gives you. And I wanna encourage you in that this morning. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we uh, open our hearts, minds, souls up to you and your presence And uh, as Janie encouraged us with this morning during worship, this is just the stuff that you love to do. You are here. I had a similar sense driving in of like, my goodness, Jesus, you are back from the dead. And I know we have our own brokenness and confusion and aches and pains and the things that we wrestle with in this life. But we have to allow our normal, mundane, uh, hurting lives to just sit in the reality that you're back from the dead. Uh, And if that's true, then you're here with us and you're speaking to your kids. You say, my sheep will recognize my voice. So I pray in a really sweet way this morning, Jesus, you would just release us to call out the good things that we see in one another. And that through that, your voice uh, would begin to shine through, would begin to catch an image of what you have for us and who you're calling us to be. So we say, come now, Holy Spirit work in our hearts over these next five minutes or whatever we have uh, and release us to speak the things that are good and true over one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.